Where's the manager? Walzer Automotive presents Car Selling Secrets. Welcome to episode 57. Um, correct. Of Walzer Automotive Group's Car Selling Secrets. Joining us in studio today is... Tom Ryan. And as always... Andy Brand Bernard. <laughs> We've only done this 57 times. Tom has stepped out to take some high-level phone calls. They're trying to decide whether they which of the lunch. three Beatles songs they're going to play in KQ this week. I keep telling them, can you tell the new program director that they actually recorded more than three songs before? But he's not. He's not. Uh, he's not having any of that nonsense. No. So I brought Tom in. Uh, I ran into him. At uh, World Domination Headquarters, Walzer Automotive Group on 7700 France, we had a little meeting on Monday about some exciting business opportunities that are opening up for the uh, company. And I said, Tom, you're always welcome to be a guest. And he goes, that's a COVID thing. I'm not traveling. I'll come on in. So what's new in your world? What have you been up to? Um, actually, I, I am traveling, so okay. I, I'm so, out what's tomorrow. What's that like? I mean, are uh, yeah. there people on planes? or? <laughs> I am. Um, so I'm out tomorrow off to uh, Florida, Orlando, and I'm trying to limit it to one trip a week. A week? Um, We're trying yeah. to limit it to one week, one uh, trip a year. Yeah, there you go. so I've been out 12 times, 12 weeks in a row. Um, you know what, I could only sit on my butt for so long and business is actually really good. So not only is the auto industry good for the Walzer Automotive Group, but uh, business around the country is good as well. The travel part's a little bit, I wouldn't say that it's, uh, um, it's just weird, right? So you go to TSA, the first few times I went out, like I was the only one going through TSA. Do like, they practice pat-downs on you then? I was trying to, I was offering them cash to do them, <laughs> um, but I couldn't get any takers. Um, so it, that part was weird. Um, the flying part, the airport seems safe, right? There's just no right. lines. There's nobody around. There's also not much open. At that point, the there, nothing like the Sky Club stuff where you can kind of hang out and wait. Uh, we're all closed. On the flight, um, it's there's nobody sitting next to you. So it's sold to 50%. But there's also no services. But they're charging more as a result so it's more not, for less yeah it's a good business model so with delta and i'm a loyal delta guy you get a literally a baggie with the, one of those small bottle of water of bottles of water a thing of cheese it's in a biscoff cookie and that is it you're masked up and they oh and they give you a little bunch of sanitizer crap when you mm -hmm. get on and that's it so there i'm i'm, I'm a non-drinker anyway but no no service, no alcohol, no food or anything. But the good news is for me, I, I can't remember where I was flying, but I can't. Oh, Philadelphia. And I went out in the morning and I got on and they now are offering beer and wine in first class. Hmm. And I'm like, but no, you can't get a Diet Coke. Ah, so right. the lady came up at eight o'clock and said, would you like beer or wine? And I'm like. It's eight o'clock. I mean, I don't even drink if anyway. If it's a Vegas but, flight, it makes sense. Yeah. But going to the so, city of brotherly love. Now, speaking of beer and wine, if you've been hit by a drunk driver, we've got a message for you from Brad, Sean, and Brian because we forgot to play their ad. Oh. oh. <laughs> uh, well, uh, let's fire that one. Why right don't we in. jam it in right now? Let's do yeah. that. Our good That's friend fun. and sponsor, Michael Bryant from Bradshaw and Bryant. 
Michael Bryant, Bradshaw and Bryant. So what's the latest? The well, latest is we're representing people who are injured through no fault of their own. Uh, people come to us, we talk to them about what their rights are. We talk to them about things that, you know, adjusters would call them up and ask them about. And we represent people in order to get them justice for the injured. And have been for a long time. Very, very successful, no question. I, I, you know, I do meet a lot of your clients. They come up to me on the street and whatever, and they talk about this, that, or the other thing. And they both say, why do you guys hang out with Doug Sprinthal? <laughs> and I just had no answer. For <laughs> he just looks away, you big baby. In any case, that's the whole deal. So people, they got any problem whatsoever, personal injury or other legal problems, whatever, they just reach out to Brad, Sean, Bryant. Yeah, Joe and I have both been president of the trial lawyers for the state, so we talk to people about all sorts of issues. The consultation is always free, and that's what we do. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant. Well, that's a nasty Telecaster right there. Oh, gotta like that. This album is so much fun to make. Anyway, we're back talking about travel in the COVID era. I've got a, a story to share with you because I, the last time I traveled full time, I was a used car buyer back when you had to fly from auction to auction. And I was flying a lot right after 9-11. It was the same kind of thing. You know, I was always bumped up to first because I was doing 70, 80,000 miles a year. And if you remember at the time, uh, the food back in the Northwest Airlines days 20 years ago and first was really good. I mean, they it was better than you'd get in a lot of restaurants. So they'd pull out these beautiful filet mignons, but then they'd give you like a plastic Plastic knife to cut with. with. And I realized that it was my time to find another job and get off the road. When I started to get pissed when they dared to sit somebody next to me in first class, I'm like, you're turning into a complete asshole. Yeah. well, As opposed to just being a partial one like I was before. Yeah, well, I'm sure I'm the complete version. Um, (laughs) Delta does sort of do that to you, though. Um, There's this sense of entitlement that you get um, um, from, you know, they, they do take pretty good care of you, but then there's this, yeah, you become a little bit of a... Um, prick, I would say. Did you so, see the uh, George Clooney movie about that? Yeah, up, up and that's the, really yeah. scarily predictive. So I got, uh, I got denied boarding. Maybe I've told you the story. So I got denied boarding in uh, Detroit, and I came running to the gate, and I asked the gate as I left, "Will you please call and tell them I'm on my way?" So it was eight minutes, be- and they closed the door, or they denied me boarding because I wasn't there. Ten, and the kid working there said. Uh, Mr. Ryan, you should have booked a longer connection. And I said, actually, I just pushed the button. I didn't really, I, I, you guys offered it up and I said yes. And uh, he kind of went on to say, you know, you know, all this stuff. And I finally sort of stopped him and I said, I'm sorry, for some reason I led you to believe that I care. Um, <laughs> and, and I don't, I just want to go home. But um, they're not making it easy. There's not a lot of trip, or there's not a lot of options for flying right now. Yeah, I bet. So if you like, I have to go to Florida tomorrow. I really don't need to be there till Saturday. You want to be the center of the coronavirus outbreak? <laughs> Are you going I'm to Orlando? Actually, or? I'm up in Sanford, which okay. is just outside of Orlando. But um, it's a nine ten a.m. is the only nonstop, wow. and so it's like you got to spend the whole day, and then to get home. I'm coming back Saturday night. It's a seven o'clock to Atlanta, and then Atlanta to Mini, and so you're in at midnight. So it usually, 
you know, they got a whole bunch of flights. And then I saw Delta today cut a bunch more. And so, like, you can't go to Wichita. We have stores in Wichita. Yeah. Got to go to Chicago now to get to Wichita. So uh, the travel's not easy. You're masked up. It feels pretty safe from uh, my wife was kind of cracked about all, especially going to Florida. And so I oh, did. Oh, she still likes you? Pat does? <laughs> well, I, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> But, Let me pack uh, your bags, huh? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I uh, went, when Paul uh, and went through the whole COVID thing, I went to and got the antibody test and all that kind of stuff and nothing. So 12 weeks of travel, I just wanted a baseline to say as of this day in July. Right, I survived cool in the without it. Yeah, and so I think if you use your head, sanitize up, social distance, um, and the dealers are great. I, I, I had a dealer in Philly call and wanted to go over my travel schedule before he would let me come to the store. Hmm, that's great. Yeah. So I think people are, depending on where you go in the world. So um, I was in Denver. Uh, well, you and I were at the Greeley deal. and the smelliest town in America. Yeah. It's either the rent, it's really Colorado. It's about oh, an hour it is. north of Denver. You're There's right. There's a big rendering plant there. And You're depending right. on the wind, it's like, wow. Yeah. And you wonder how they live there. But uh, the tram. We did tell them go west, young man, so get the hell out of town. <laughs> I, the tram pulled up in the Denver airport, and the doors opened, and it was packed. And I was like, I don't think so. We're gonna just walk this one, even no matter. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was bad. I, I, it was funny. Who's? Oh, I. Um, not too long ago, I was on my way there, and I, dog the bounty hunter was up uh, a couple seats in front of me. All five, two of them. Yeah, he's, he's tiny. The world's smallest, oldest guy I've ever seen. Yeah, with he is. A tiny. lot of hair and bad jewelry. That is true. It was pretty funny. You know, you were talking about the car business being good. Tom and I were talking about that on the morning show this morning. Usually when there's tough economic times, the two businesses that go in the tank first are automobiles and construction. Right. And I think construction, Hot. I, I don't know if commercial's very good right now, but... but residential's crazy. Residential's crazy. Yeah. I, you know, I, the, the neighborhood I live in, I suppose the cheap houses are 350 and the expensive ones are 7 And they're not, the signs are flipping a, a week. They put them in the front yard, and a week later they're sold. Yeah. I'm like, wow. So it's not million-dollar mansions, but, you know, it's not three-bedroom ramblers in East Bloomington either. So it's uh, it's really interesting. I think we have to take a break, and when we come back, I have a quiz for both of you guys. This is a quiz? Fun. I'm ready for it. Automotive quiz. quiz. Okay. And, listeners, the talk and text line is open. Area code 561-228-4061. Unless Officer Dave's calling, then don't bother. Oh, Tom Bernard here with my buddy and CEO of North American Banking Company, Michael Bilski. Michael, this is a tough time for businesses not only in the Twin Cities but all over right now. Can you tell me a little bit about what North American Banking Company is doing for your customers? Tommy at the bank, we're helping businesses with all of our tools at our disposal. Lenders are working as long as it takes with our customers to help them through these tough times. We've processed well over 300 loans for customers and funded over $70 million through the SBA's Paycheck Protection Program. Through our payment deferment program, our current customers were able to skip one, two, or even four payments with no penalty. Finally, being a locally owned and operated bank, we're able to move quickly and take action for our customers when they need us most. Why not bank with my banker? God, I can't tell you how great <laughs> it is working with Bill Ski. Did you record that, Andy? 
Could you send that to me? North American <laughs> Banking Company, a better banking experience. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. 2020 never looks so good. Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Cataract. With 2020 upon us, it's time to ditch the contacts and pitch the glasses. Take it from me. It's one of the best things you can do for yourself in the new year. I've never looked back from having LASIK myself, and with Dr. Whiting's unsurpassed experience, you can trust you're amongst the best in the business. Call 855-554-2020 or visit whitingclinic.com online to schedule your free LASIK consultation. The great people at Whiting Clinic will take fantastic care of you, just like they did for me. Call 855-554-2020 or visit whitingclinic.com online to schedule your free LASIK consultation. Imagine 2020 or better in 2020. And let 2020 be your best year yet with LASIK at Whiting Clinic. LASIK results may vary. Talk to your Whiting Clinic doctor about your individual outcome potential. Is this Robin Trower? No, it's me. I know. It's a it Robin Trower tune. I keep asking, is this Robin Trower? I know, you just jacks with me all the time. I love Robin Trower. I do, Earth too. Below is one of my favorite albums of all time. You know, for me, I... I got to the Jimi Hendrix party a little late because he died in 1970, and I was only 11 when he died. I just started to listen to him. And then in the early 70s, I became a big fan when I started to play. And then Robin Trower came out in, what, 73 or 74? Bridge yeah, of Size, Furry right, yeah. Below, and it's like... Love and he, Bridge of Size. He was sort of like the bridge from Jimi Hendrix into the next. Yeah, he was, absolutely. It was a very similar playing style. Yep. Uh, yep. The difference was the bass player in that band could sing like a... Oh, Mother phenomenal a singer! Great, great. He's a great musician and a phenomenal singer. You know where the Bridge's Eyes is? It's in Italy, isn't it's it? It's in Italy. Yeah. yeah, it goes from the courthouse to the prison. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. It does. It goes from the courthouse to the prison. The Bridge of Sighs. The walk I'm going to try to stay away from. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Trying to stay away from that walk, baby. The Bridge of Sighs to my ex-wife's mailbox on, right. on Mother's Day <laughs> once a month. Here you yeah, go. There you have it. Okay, I got some quizzes for you. This is about uh, automotive history. I don't expect you to get any of these right, so but we'll go fairly quickly. Uh, first uh, manufacturer to invent airbags and when? Just take a guess. Takata. Nope. That's pretty funny though. Manufacturer. <laughs> uh, auto uh, or the uh, like a, a Buick type? Are you thinking of OEM or? Yeah, yeah. Oh. Manufacturer and about the year. I wouldn't even begin to guess. I'm going to guess around 89. It was actually 73, and it was General Motors. They offered them as options in Buicks, which is kind of funny you mentioned that, Oldsmobiles and Cadillacs. All right, let's try the automatic transmission. Who started that? Oh, boy. The automatic transmission? Yep. That's old. Edison. Guess, yeah, based on people who can and cannot drive stick. I'd guess late 30s, probably. You're right. 1939, it was Oldsmobile. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, oh, it doesn't say who, who, who actually... Oldsmobile. But, I mean, who developed it for him? Oh, there, the guy? Yeah, some slave guy. at General Motors. I don't know. Oh, he was a slave. Even though it was invented, it wasn't necessarily widespread at the time. How about power steering? Think about what these cars would have been like to drive without That's, power steering. Oh, I remember. Relatively new, isn't it? Yeah, there you go. Well, I'm, what would you guess? Oh, no, I think power steering came probably uh, again in the 50s or... Very good. 1951, the Chrysler Imperial. Yeah. One of the greatest years ever. Which was probably a 6,000-pound car. Can oh, you yeah. imagine driving one of those without... I mean, it's not a spitfire. Oh, God. <laughs> I've driven cars... Well, I've... I've tried to steer cars, not really driven them, 
with the power steering that was broken. I don't remember yeah. the context, but yeah, it, I, that's actually even harder. It's yeah. basically it's, impossible. Yeah, because yeah. you're you know you have to be moving here. You're not going to be able to turn the wheel. Yeah. Okay. Uh, how about GPS? The satellites are like. Well, GPS nat- satellite so when navigation. The, when, the, when the network went up. Yep. And that was the DOD, uh, I think. I think it was the Department of Defense, yeah, I think Quite so. some time ago. Well, that 70, was early 80s. It was Toyota. It was early 80s. I thought it was going to 78, yep. 79. Yeah. Oh, GPS in cars. Yeah. Is that yeah. OnStar? Yeah. Mm, OnStar is a General Motors product, well, and I don't think motor. that showed up till the late mid-90s or Tom Tom or whatever? Oh, Tom, Tom Tom, that's very yeah, good. That's that was with Garmin, right? That's right. the oldest one I can think yeah. of. Okay, my favorite, retractable hardtops. You'll never get this right. Sure, it was back in the um, 1895s, I think, for Fairmont or something came. So for those of you that might not know what it is, uh, Mercedes made it really popular in the late 90s, uh, little SLK, so that it was a metal roof, but you pushed a button and the trunk would open backwards and the top would fold into it. Ford Skyliner in the late 50s was the same thing. It was actually invented by Peugeot in 1935. Wow. I figured that was going to be yeah. uh, yep. In are France, they? they're a big, like the Dusant Sank or some of those are pretty cool cars. Well, because you did say retractable, but not necessarily automatic. So, Yeah, that's a good point. But this was a mechanical system. Wow, really? How huh. about turbocharger? I couldn't even begin. I Tom? don't know that one. Hazard so let me just think. Um, Again, well, I'm going to guess in the 70s or 60s. Yeah, I would have guessed slightly before. Well, I know in the early 80s, computers came with a turbo button. Yeah, turbo was there. Everything was turbo yeah. in the early yeah, 80s. Whether I remember turbo so uh, I'm guessing, razors. I'm guessing early 80s, late 70s. It's actually 1962, and it was Oldsmobile. Oh, huh. The first turbocharged car. Well, let me ask you a question. Yeah. How does Oldsmobile do the two things you just talked and, about? And then go out of business. Well, it's an interesting question, oh, actually. God. So what happened in the in the heyday of General Motors, at one time General Motors had... Is that the... Uh, that's yeah. a Maury Skyliner. Stance, the yep. Skyliner. Wow. With the mechanical oh, yeah. rough. At one point, General Motors had 60% of the U.S. market. Yeah. Now, right. By comparison, yep. today they have 15 or 16%. I don't know how they lost that. But. So they were able to have all these different divisions that had their own engineers, and all the drivetrains were different. The V8 that was in a Cadillac was different than a Pontiac, which was different than a Chevrolet, because they, you know, they, they couldn't spend the money fast enough. Mm. Well, then the Japanese showed up notably, and the competition level increased dramatically, and by the mid-'80s or so, the, the bean counters started to take over General Motors. Oh, so they, even well, though they had all these answer. separate divisions, they really made identical cars. I mean, there was no difference between a front-wheel drive Cutlass Sierra and a, what was the Buick version of that car? I can't even remember. Skylark. Or no, um, uh, the Chevy Celebrity, Olds Cutlass. I mean, they were all the same car. They just had different yeah. badges A-body on body or something. So then in 90, I think when the last recession was before 08, I think 90 or 91, they went, you know, this is stupid to carry all these lines. Right. I so suppose Oldsmobile went away, and Oldsmobile was one of the oldest General Motors brand. might have been the first General Motors brand, I think, when they started buying them up. I don't know I, uh, why, but Joe from Louisville says you need a CAT scan. <laughs> okay. I don't disagree. Trust the doctor. I'm not no, sure. No one can disagree with yeah, that. We're in. So I have one for you, Doug. Okay. Uh, or for the group. So what year was front-wheel drive invented? 
I would bet who was the first one to mass produce it. I would bet that's back in the twenties. Yeah, it was. It was Cord C O R D. But the first one to mass produce it was Audi in 1931, and then Saab followed 1932. Yeah, everyone sort of puts that late. that's weird. Yeah, front yeah, wheel think it would be like the first thing to invent after you know just the car. Right. So. Well, I have a question for you. Yeah. Did they think pushing was a better idea than pulling? I never did understand that. They still do. If the engine, the weight is all up here, why don't you put the wheels under the weight? So. So the first ones, really, Tom, to go down that was Porsche and Volkswagen. Okay. So hence the 356, which later became the 911 <clears> and the Volkswagen right. Beetle. Right. Um, so Porsche went to the back. And put the rear engine, rear drive, and Audi was up front. And they were all part of the auto union mm-hmm. at that point, all those rings on the front of which right, is today right. Audi. Okay, related car. First all-wheel drive passenger car. Now, this is not military vehicles in World War One <laughs> yeah. when they really invented the all-wheel drive and Jeeps. This is the first all-wheel drive passenger car. Well, so Audi, Audi had cars in that around 80 that were all-wheel drive. 1966, the Jensen. Jensen. Oh, yeah, so interesting. Which are really uh, cool cars. Do you actually. remember the Cavalli group? Sure. Those guys. So uh, Shell Cavalli, was the, they produced the Jensen Interceptor, and he's, the, uh, he's a client of ours as well, and they're down in Florida as well as out on the West Coast. But they founded the Pebble Beach D'Elegance, so the car show that, the Pebble Beach that they're most the famous big one. for, the biggest one. Now, did James Bond drive a Jensen in one of the movies? I think that he might have. Like a Jensen Interceptor, yeah. I think. Because they like the Aston Martin. Yeah, yeah, he had Aston Martins. Yeah. He always had just badass cars. Yeah. But if you remember the James Bond cars, I think that that he might have driven one he of those. He drives one in Solo. In a, a Jensen? Yes, yeah, they're a Jensen cool. FF. Yeah, kind of funky cars. I don't oh, know the go. Jensen. I don't remember that car at all. So was it like a little sports car or something? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because he liked sports cars. Yeah. I know that. And I doubt they sold them up here. I mean, they're pretty limited production. Yeah, so probably. It does look like a James Bond car. I'll say that much. Yeah. Oh, it does? Oh, yeah. No all right. Question. Air conditioning. We'll get to the end of this pretty soon. Air conditioning? Hmm. Year and make. <clears throat> I don't know that one. Uh, was a fan the, blowing uh, over some ice count? It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty close. Yeah, Night, it was Packard in 1940. Really? Wow. 40 out against yep. 50s. All right, last one. Uh, car radios. It's a big it deal to you. It has to be very early. What's what's the car radio? I don't even know what that is. <laughs> right. <laughs> AM? It's where, yeah, AM. where your bread is buttered. It's got to be AM. 30s. Andy's got the right era. Take a break here. I'll be right back. I don't know okay, who that then. would be. Did you get another phone call? Yes. Sir. Oh, no. So the answer is Chevrolet in the early 30s in the manufacturer, Hello. Motorola. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. They have been around for quite a while. Everybody thinks they're an Asian company for some reason. Yeah, I did too. a U.S. company for, I think they're over 100 years old, if I remember it's right. It's like Atari. Everyone thinks they're Japanese because their name is Japanese, but they're actually American. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Hmm. Boy, we're just fountains of knowledge here. All the knowledge. We should probably take a short break, and we'll be back with a final segment in just a couple of minutes. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry 
This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Sabre and Bryant, whatever it takes. Northern Metal Fab right off the interstate in Baldwin, Wisconsin, is a custom job shop specializing in large-scale projects. Northern Metal Fab is now hiring for all positions, including welders, painters, and inspectors, to provide quality craftsmanship to their customers. Northern Metal Fab is growing, and their growth is your opportunity. Northern Metal Fab offers competitive pay, excellent benefits, and more. Apply online today at nmfinc.com. That's nmfinc.com. Northern Metal Fab is an equal opportunity employer. Welcome back to episode 57 of Walzer Automotive Group's Car Selling Secrets. Tom Ryan Jr., I'm a longtime friend, joins us in the studio. We're just kind of talking about all sorts of stuff. If you have any questions, comments, or more, most likely criticisms, you can always call the studio line 561-228-4061, unless you're Officer Dave or Joe from Louisville. Well, someone from the chat actually uh, brought something up interesting. So you said that the air conditioning in the car was Chevy. Uh, Packard. Packard. Yep. Um, well, General Motors actually owned Frigidaire from 1919 to 1979. Hmm, I didn't know So you would have thought that that would have been like, you know, put the two together, but they just apparently weren't the first to do it. Well, in 1940, <laughs> they were probably the too busy building tanks and stuff. Right. Because That's I think true. that was the last year of U.S. car production. A lot of people don't know that, but during World War II... Ford and General Motors and Chrysler converted all their plants to build uh, yeah. warplanes and tanks. That's why there's no tanks. 40s version yep. yeah. cars. Well, they basically really. converted all the metal in the entire country into tanks yep. and planes. So, Which is what put new car dealers on the map in about 1946 going forward because there was such pent-up demand. I, I think it was a different world back then. <laughs> basically, they just... <laughs> raped and pillaged oh, customers. It awful. was brutal. The stories from those days. Mm-hmm. Well, we were... Part of the mayhem uh, starting in the 70s, yeah. but it it is exciting. You know, you and I, Doug, met on Monday. Is that mm-hmm. what we did? Yeah, that's right. <clears throat> so I'm, I am really excited. So Walzer, what's unique about Walzer, and I think this is the comment that you made to me, which was um, you look at all the other dealers around the country everywhere, and we take for granted how much further ahead the Walzer Automotive Group mm-hmm. is compared to anybody else. And it blows my mind. And the new opportunity, Doug's going to be um, working with uh, the software company that Walzer is just starting to put together some of their products, which are amazing products. And I really do think will change. I mean, I think this is a big deal and will change the guest experience immensely mm-hmm. i mean no, we, I, I was on a long call today um looking at the craziness that happens at most dealerships and it's around that whole f and i piece of it just takes hours sometimes to get in there and get your car i'll so, tell you an interesting story that illustrates the difference this was back during the recession and our good friend alan crutch was the marketing director at the time and just a really, really smart guy. We were in Paul's office 
And times were tough. I mean, he didn't say it, but you could tell that he was worried about losing the company back in 09. Things were not great. And yeah. so we're just spitballing ideas. And he and I don't remember who else was in the room. We're coming up with some really crazy stuff. And Alan, <laughs> he says, oh, I get it. We're going back to trying to trick people again. Right. And Paul looked at him and he goes, okay, we're not doing that. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, I think that's, and that's part of what... Uh, we take for granted that Walzer really doesn't do. I mean, they've, yeah. they've been upfront pricing for 20 years yep. and what we call single point of contact, so they don't have any F&I people. But the numbers are amazing. So to have a young man like Alex do over 90 cars in a month, um, which is a strong number for most dealerships with a yeah, you know, eight or nine salesperson staff. Yeah, and and that I mean, and I am not. Ta I wouldn't go head to head with Alex on anything. And he's like 24 or 5 years old or something. Well, you know, he used to work at Chili's, so that's probably <laughs> that's pretty good training for... Right. But um, Would I you think, like fries with that? Right. <laughs> but I think the amazing part is that part of that journey is that Alex would be a, a success anywhere he went. Right. But I think that there's no way to get to those kind of numbers without the technology solutions that they've built. And what's unique about it is... They're not web developers or app developers or technology. It's not a technology company. It's an auto dealer that solves a problem. Right. And I think that's the success. And the reason that they're doing well now, I think, from an outside perspective, being as outside as I can, can since it's I'm related, but it uh, it's amazing how cutting edge that group is. Mm -hmm. And it, it's exciting to be part of that. Uh, to bring that to market and think how big the opportunity is because there's not a solution that integrates anywhere near to what Ignite and Teledesk and Fuse does. So what? So for the listeners, what the software uh, does and will be marketed is when you buy a car from a dealership, the behind-the-scenes work that has to go into pulling incentives from the manufacturer, submitting all these deals to different banks, credit applications, personal information, automobile information, trade titles, payoffs, all this sort of Sales stuff. Sales tax, I mean, calculations, you're trying to talk license, to everything. 14 or 15 different things. And in the traditional dealer, that's most of that's done in the business office, which is really, really time-consuming. So, boy, I think the Fuse project started, what, eight years ago Nine. or so. Uh, and Andrew was the CEO of the company, and I kept saying, okay, how do we make it faster? That was his only question ever, and it got to be super annoying because we kept making it faster and faster. And he goes, okay, that's not fast enough. We need to make it faster. So this software basically allows a salesperson to enter the customer information, vehicle information once, and then hit buttons, and the rest is automated. And the, uh, the amount of time, and Andrew uses this all the time, and he's a great term, the amount of time that gets collapsed by doing that is enormous. Um, you know, when we started developing this stuff, some of the salespeople were like, you're trying to eliminate us. And I said, no, that is not the goal. The, 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 the idea is not to sell cars with fewer people, it's to sell more cars with the same number of people that we have. Right. So those efficiencies you talk about, and we have a you know probably a dozen really outstanding people in the company. Alex is a is a bit of a one-off, but, but I think when you so Charlie is the one that the original mindset behind the Fuse product, and, and I think that's where a lot of this stuff comes from. There's really smart people working. Colton mm -hmm. Ray, unbelievably smart. I don't um, even understand what he says. Oh most my of the gosh, time. this kid's smart, smart, smart. Um, Mike Price from. Uh, 
pricing tool perspective, mm-hmm. that stuff's all coming to fruition. And Luke and the team behind that stuff, it's crazy. to They have 151 touch points on their analytics to determine the pricing, and it's all automated. Which in the one-price world as a retailer, whether you're selling cars or you're Walmart or Target, because you don't go into Target and go, you know, I'll give you mm-hmm. $350 for that six-pack of Coke. Right. And the cashiers will throw you out. Ours will, too. This was all in the mind at the beginning of Mike Price, and now Colton and Luke have really flushed this thing out. So you have Charlie who starts Fuse and had no idea it would ever develop into this. But right. the, um, these guys are just smart, talented guys, and this thing's going to go a long way. And it really makes a huge difference from a guest experience. You just don't need a day off to buy a car anymore. Right. It's something you can go online. We call it desking a deal. The consumer now has can desk their own deal. They we're not as necessary. So what, what desking any means is there's you know uh, although people focus on the price properly, uh, for probably seventy five or eighty percent of the deals that a new car dealer sells or used cars are financed one way or the other. They're either financed or lease, so on and so forth. And so by desking, that's the, the calculations that go into what are the payments, what are the different terms, what kind of an interest rate can I get from various lender, all that sort of stuff. It used to be done by a guy who smoked uh, cigarettes in the back room. And had cowboy boots and a beeper. And um, a fake Rolex from yeah, Richie. Yeah, that's right. And so um, the cool thing is the consumers today don't have to worry about it. all that stuff's in their hands. Yep. And uh, like I say, if there were better deals, we wouldn't probably have met. And so the fact that they landed on Walzer is because we did the research and established all of that pricing ahead of time, and that's what drives that traffic to them. I had a, I had a dealer ask me a while ago, it's, you know, it's funny because 10 years ago when you went to a conference, you'd never tell people you were a one-price no. dealer because they'd run you out of town. Right. Five years ago, they started asking questions that were actually wanted to know what the tricks were. And now it's like, does that really work? And I said, well... We only sold 45,000 cars right. last year, so it's maybe we, we got all the stupid ones, but I think some of them were probably pretty sharp. So think about that. When Paul and Andrew did this, which was about 2000, and, and of course we all attributed it to Paul's vision at that point. But Well, because he signed the checks. Well, right, but uh, really Andrew taking over, I don't know, two, three years ago um, is really... Well, he's the one that that pushed the one price thing. Oh initially. my gosh! And Paul yeah. will even admit that. Yeah, and so I'm um, super impressed by his leadership. <laughs> In fact, actually. during the height of the recession, one this is the worst ideas Paul's ever had, and to this day he denies it happening. But I think Jack and Alan and I, there's a bunch of people in the room. <clears throat> he wanted to go to negotiating Saturdays, one Saturday a month. Who did Jack? <laughs> Paul. Oh, Paul! Yikes. <laughs> Um, and, and Andrew is really solely, I mean, and I talk to Paul a lot, and uh, Paul is hands-off. I mean, really. Yeah. I mean, I, he's aware of everything, but Andrew is in control of this ship and doing a, I mean, they're doing a great job. No, I think the over and under when he handed over the company to Andrew was about three weeks for most of his employees. Well, I, but, but he, he did a great job saying, you know, it's your turn. Yeah, and he stayed out of it and... I, it's like all these things. I think Andrew's going to outperform him. Well, of course he is. I mean, well, I, he's he super is already. competitive. Yeah. yeah. And so it's funny how those things uh, evolve just the way they're supposed to. Well, that about wraps it up for kind of a weird version of automotive car selling secrets with Tom uh, 
It's funny because the weird version, we actually talked about cars most of the time. I know, which is unusual. <laughs> well, we have, you know, automotive selling genius as a guest, so that's going to happen. Oh, that yeah. will happen. Well, I, you know, here, before we go, I'll, I'll say this thing because people always ask me, you know, what makes a great salesperson a great salesperson? And Tom was phenomenal uh, when he sold cars, just like these dozen of people. And it took me a long time to figure it out, and here's the difference. When really, when average salespeople sell something, they're kind of surprised. It's like, oh, they said yes. When great salespeople sell something, they just take it for granted. When great salespeople fail to sell something, they're just shocked. It's like, mm-hmm. and that's really the be? difference. So are you talking about me now? That's the point. Exactly. We Welcome just did the closing back. statement. We're done, unless you got some questions you want to no, ask. No, but I want to read one line from the uh, from the Babylon Bee today. All right. Have you read it? I, have not, I haven't read the Bee in a couple Tom, of you days. you know the Babylon Bee? I know it, but I have not read it. There's a picture of a uh, skeleton dressed up in old uh, 1770 garb, the wig, the whole deal. And there is a belt around the chest of this corpse lying in a coffin. And it says, founding fathers strapped down in graves to prevent further spinning. (laughs) (laughs) That thing, Babylon Bees, I love them. That'll do it. We'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. Over and out.